As I was thinking about where to open this particular wonder, this particular night and this wonderful week, because I've never taken the opportunity to teach Christian healing from God's Word for six, is it six consecutive nights. And by God's mercy and grace, I would like to do this with you this week. I'd like to just open my heart and open the Word and try my best to help you to get a greater understanding of God's Word so that you can utilize it, first of all, in your own life, and secondly, to share it. You can't ever help anybody, people, until you first help yourself. You must first receive before you can give. And if we're going to help somebody else, we've got to get an understanding of the greatness of God's Word first. In Isaiah chapter 53, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ in prophecy, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. The word sorrows in the text is pain. A man of pains and acquainted with grief, says grief in the King James. The original text reads sickness. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of pains and acquainted with sickness, and we hid as it were our eyes from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He, Jesus Christ, bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. Ladies and gentlemen, it's as simple as the holding of this word of God in my hand and taking, I haven't even got a pen in my pocket, but taking a pen or anything else and laying it on Jesus Christ, if this word of God represented Jesus Christ that you lay it on Jesus Christ and he bore our sicknesses, he bore our grief, he bore our pain. And ladies and gentlemen, if he bore it, then he bore it, right? right. On whom is our sickness then and our pains? It is upon him. That's why the word of God says he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to him. He is a complete deliverer. Stanley Reard was talking tonight about that we are not yet seeing like things like they had in the early days of the book Acts. But she said to you, we're getting closer. We sure are. We're getting closer every day because the temperature of believing among God's people is rising. And we're getting enough people in a community that we can lift the whole community. And people are de being delivered in many, many ways today that they were not being delivered seven years ago or six. And I think one of the great reasons for this is UWWs. That's right.
You WOWs on that field are the ones that are moving out with the greatness of the word. Sure, I know you don't always do everything perfectly, but who does? I don't. Anybody else? If we could do everything perfectly, we wouldn't need a Savior. You know why we need a Savior? Because we're in such a lousy shape, we couldn't save ourselves, right? Why do you think Pam Payne had to get delivered? And Judy Stafford, they couldn't help themselves, right? God helped them. Jesus Christ helped them. Sure, we endeavored to walk with the greatest renewed mind, with the greatest ability we have, but people, we know that this ministry does not rest upon my ability or the greatness of my knowledge or of your ability, your knowledge. It rests upon God, people, and the accuracy of his word. That's right. He bore our pains and he bore our sicknesses. That's the word. In verse 10 of this 53rd chapter, it said, Please the Lord to bruise him. The word bruise is to crush him with disease, is the text. He hath made him sick with our sickness, people. I just gave you the accuracy of the text. I'll give it to you once more because... Hardly anybody has ever seen the greatness of this or believed it. Listen to it. The Lord crushed him with disease. The reason it says the Lord crushed him is because Jesus Christ willingly took, a, took, the, took this disease upon him and the Lord permitted him to do this. The Lord Jehovah, God, with disease and hath made him sick, made him sick. You know, in First Peter, Hebrews, James, First Peter, chapter two, verse twenty-four, talking about Jesus Christ, who his own self bare our what sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were what? Yeah. Right. That's why he's a complete savior. There never was any sickness in the world until sin came. Sickness is a consequence of sin. Now, I'm, that does not mean particularly your sin. But it is sin that made sickness so rampant in the world. There's a day coming according to the book of Revelation when there will be no more sickness, no more heartaches, no more disease. Why? Because sin has been alleviated, has been taken away. Jesus Christ is a complete Savior, people. And being a complete Savior, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to him. There is never 
anyone so low down, but that underneath are the everlasting arms of God. There is never anyone so far out in left field, but that on outside of him are the everlasting arms of God, or out in right field, outside are there, or up so high, but over him are the everlasting arms of God. He is able to save to what? Amen. That's why he's a complete savior, people. By his stripes, ye were what? Right. If I never see it happen in my life, it is still a reality because it's accomplished in Christ Jesus. Has only been because I could not appropriate it or the society in which I live so infiltrated my life and my mind that I couldn't receive the fullness of what Christ made available. It isn't that God didn't do it in Christ Jesus. That's right. It's only because I have not been able to receive it to the end that I manifest all of its greatness. About five, ten minutes before, five minutes before I walked on the stage, I just met the little girl who walked out of that thing, uh, that, whatever that is, that walker. Her daddy and mommy brought her back behind the stage over here. Stanley reared, met them, and then Stanley brought them in. Boy, you see, our God still in the business of delivering people. The greatest deliverance I know is spiritual. When a man is dead and trespasses and sins without God and without hope, that in a moment of time, when that individual confesses with his mouth, the Lord Jesus believed God raised him from the dead, Romans 10, 9, thou shalt be what? And ladies and gentlemen, that's the miracle of all miracles. For what should it profit a man if he had good health all of his life? What should it profit a man if he owned the whole world? had all the wealth of the world, but lose his what? Soul. The greatest thing is the new birth. The greatest healing I know is the new birth. And there's a day upon the horizon of our times that when people get born again, they're going to get physically delivered, mentally delivered, and every other way. It's there, people, in Christ Jesus. Try it. Look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All things, verse 18, are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by who? Jesus Christ. And he's given to us the ministry of what? Right. He's given it to us. He's given it to us, people. If he has given it to us, then we're responsible for it, right? We're responsible for its utilization. We're responsible for its accuracy. We're responsible for the whole thing. Boy, the day I learned that... Come on up here, Howard. I'm getting hot. <laughs> Give him a big hat. Ooh. 
the day I learned from God's Word the difference between the church of the bride that Jesus Christ was building, where he said, I will build my what? Church. And where he said to the body, the church of the body, that it's our responsibility, that he has committed to us the ministry and the word of reconciliation. That was quite a day in my life. I realized then that if there was ever going to be anything done for God and the outreach of his word, I'd have to stand on that word come hell or high water. Just have to take a stand, having done all what? Stand. That's right. If it never comes to pass, people, it's still God's word. See, that's it. <laughs> It says to it, God was in Christ, verse 19, reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ. God was in Christ. God was in him. Says so. Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of what? So we not only have the word, but we got the ministry. That's why you WOWs were so important out on that field because you were holding forth the word. The word, the word, the word of reconciliation. And it's that word that brings men and women to a knowledge of God and his deliverance. Without that word, men just guess, people. With that word, we can again say like the prophets of old, thus saith the Lord. That's right. Now then, we're ambassadors. Now then, we're ambassadors. Now we're ambassadors. Not when I die. That's right. Not when I get so good that I never make a mistake, right? Right now. Hey, legally, 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 a child that has just been born into an earthly family has the same legal rights as a child that was born 20 years ago. Right? The word, the word. It's not that that child is able to run the 100-yard dash in 9-3 or play in the NCAA finals. That takes a little age and a little training, right? But that child, just born, legally has the same rights as the one who plays in the NCAA or runs the 109-2. You see it? People, perfection is with God and his word, sir. And we just hold forth God's word with the greatest of our ability, and we endeavor to walk in the light as he is what? Amen. Huh. Verse 21 says, For he, God, made him, Jesus, to be what? Sin. Never understood that either until I understood about sickness and pain and grief and sorrow and fear and worry and, and anxiety. Then I understood what he meant when he said he made him sin. 
That's what it's all about. He not only carried our, you know, animosity against God, our enmity against God, he carried the consequences of it, the sickness, the disease, the worry, the anxiety, the fears, the frustrations. He took that all. That's all involved in he made him to be sin who knew no sin. To what extent? That you and I might be made the righteousness of God in what? In him. The righteousness of God in him, people. How righteous is God? The word says in 1 John that there is no impurity of any kind in it. Man, oh man, wait till that hits you someday. That as a son or daughter of God, spiritually, no impurity in there. And you can speak the word. You can speak it and the word brings the results. Believing comes by hearing and hearing comes by what, people? The word, the word, and nothing but the word doesn't come by, you know, philosophy, history, mathematics, science. It comes by what? The word. And deliverance comes from God by men and women knowing and applying and believing that word. You know, in Isaiah chapter 35, This man of God made a prophecy hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, The eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. This was a prophecy concerning the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said that when the true Messiah, if I trace this all back logically, I can show it to you in the Word. When this true Messiah would come, he would open the eyes of a man born blind and unstop the ears of those who had been born deaf. That is why John 9 is such a fantastic record in God's Word. Because John 9 is the record of the deliverance of a man who was born blind. You can check the annals of all religious groups. There is no record of anyone ever being born blind who was healed. The first record of that healing is the one that's recorded in John chapter 9. That's the record that sets in my mind the greatness for this particular Rock of Ages of 1977. As Jesus passed by, he saw this man who was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, 
this man or his what? Parents, that he was born blind. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There's been a fantastic outreach of spiritualism, metaphysics, all of these other counterfeits across our country and our world, that there are literally thousands of people in our day and time who believe in reincarnation. Anyone born of the seed of the serpent will always believe in reincarnation. Those people possessed by devil spirits will teach and believe reincarnation. These disciples were voicing, these disciples were voicing questions that those born of the seed of the serpent were asking. They were voicing questions, again let me say it, voicing questions that the people who were born of the seed of the serpent were asking. The reason I know that is because of John 8. In verse 44, where Jesus has this big confrontation with them, and they tell him, you know, you're born of fornication. We weren't born of fornication. And verse 44, Jesus looks them straight in the eyeball, and he says, you are of your father, the what? Devil. That's right. They were born of the wrong seed. And these were the people who were saying, talking about reincarnation and, you know, in the previous life you sinned and therefore you're blind in this one. Jesus answered that question on reincarnation right squarely in the face when he said in verse 3, neither hath this man sinned nor his what? Parents, that settles it. It's the end of it. Now verse 4 should begin at that point. But, verse 4, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can what? Right. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of what? Well, where is Christ tonight, ladies and gentlemen? That's right. Isn't that something? Where is he tonight? In you. Christ in you, the hope of what? Amen. Where is that light? In you. Right, in you. And he says as long as he is in the world, he's the light of the world, then we carry out the work. We carry out the work. Isn't it John 14 where Jesus said, the works that I do, 14.12, isn't it? Uh, the works that I do, ye shall what? Do also. Well, what are the works he did? That's right. And then he said, greater works than I have done, ye shall do. And ladies and gentlemen, if you and I are going to do greater works than Jesus Christ did, then Jesus Christ could not have been God. Because nobody's going to beat God. Right? 
The greater works of John is that you and I can lead somebody into the new birth. We can get people born again. Those who are dead in trespasses and sin, without God and without hope, we can show them the word. They can believe the word and get born again, get alive spiritually. That's the greater works of John. The reason Jesus could not do it was because he came to make it available. It was not available until the day of Pentecost. That's why it's a greater work that we can do only because it was not available. He came to make it available, but while he was here, he could lead nobody into the new birth. The best he could do was to have a chat with Nicodemus. So he couldn't lead him in the new birth, but he could tell him about it. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of what? The world. Thought of this one last night while I was teaching in Columbus. Because I handled a scripture in Thessalonians where it says in King James that the, there's going to be a great falling away. But then the man of sin is going to be re revealed. Do you know it's hot up here? Good Lord, it's hotter than a firecracker on the 16th of August. Hot down there too, huh? Huh? I'm not complaining, just reporting facts. <laughs> Shoot, now I forgot what I talked about last night. The what? Oh yeah, falling away. That's in Thessalonians. <laughs> <laughs> Bless your heart. I like you. You stay a while. <laughs> the text, the literal text reads, until there's a gathering together, a great departure. It's not a falling away that people have to get more sinful in order to bring the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need any more of that. We just need the gathering together. See? Right. And someday there's going to be a great departure. And at that time, as long as I am in the world, I'm the light of what? But when that departure comes, where is he? He has just gone up because we've gone up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. No more light, no more deliverance. But until that time, it's God's will for every man, woman, boy, and girl to hear the word and have the opportunity to believe, to receive, to be delivered. That's the greatness of the word that God said in his son, Jesus Christ, and he said it in you as a believer. Boy, I don't know what it does to you kids and you adults, you kids too. Better be, says, except you become as a little child, you're stupid anyways. So. Boy, you see, when I think of God in Christ in me, the hope of glory. Then I can throw my shoulders back, lift my head up, and for once I can breathe. I sat back there and cried while Judy shared her heart tonight. 
I've known Judy for a couple of years, and I know how religious she was. She really wanted to love God. She always loved God. She always wanted to serve God. She would afflict her body because somebody said, to serve God, your body has to be afflicted. When they said, to, I don't know if they ever did, but they said to her, you've got to crawl up these steps barefooted on your knees, lick every step as you go up. She'd have done it because she wanted to love God and she was taught that to love God, you have to suffer. The Word of God truly teaches that if you love God, He did the suffering. He became sin for us. He became sickness for us, class. He took our sorrows. He took our griefs. He took our burdens. He is our burden bearer, people. And if He bore our burdens, then I don't have to bear them. He bore them. All I have to do is testify to it and live in the glory of that divine revelation and deliverance that He gave me. Gosh, that's a long sentence. Well, verse 6. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. And that simply means he took some little bit of that dust clay, put in his hand like and he spit on it like that. What he did. Spat on the ground. He made clay that, you know, kids play with it. And he put it on a fellow's eyes. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And then he said to him, go wash the pool of Silo. <laughs> People, it's fantastic to me. So simple. The word of God's always simple. Deliverance always simple. Anything but the word of God's difficult. And all, all, all error is complicated. Truth is always simple. Yep, that's right. It's, it's almost laughable, almost laughable. He reached down, got a little bit of dirt, did that. Plunk. Plunk. Can you imagine those PhDs standing around? That religious gang, they say, oh my God. And then he had the audacity to say, Go wash in a pool of sallow. Give it to him good. <laughs> ah, you're, she just whopped his rear over there with the songbook. <laughs> Remarkable what I see at times, isn't it? <laughs> you're beautiful. All he said was, go wash in the pool of siloam. Go wash pool siloam. Just a few words. Just all that man had, fewer, and he'd been born blind. Boy, sense knowledge-wise, sense knowledge-wise, there is just no reason for that man to go to wash in the pool of Silo. Just no reason. Yet that was God's word. God's word was go wash in the pool of Silo. Said to another fellow once, go dip in the Jordan seven times. Remember? He got real mad about it. He said, I ain't going to do it. <laughs> what do you mean, dip in that stinking old dirty Jordan? 
Are not the rivers of Damascus that come out of the mountains? You fish. What do you fish in those mountain streams? As standards. They fish it up in Colorado. Perch. No, it ain't perch. Trout. Right. That's what I couldn't think of. Are they not better? And you know, the man of God said, oh, please, go, come on, obey God's word. Go on, go on, wash the pool. Go to the Jordan. Once you have been given God's word, there's no use arguing about it. There is no need to repeat it the second time because if a man won't believe it the first time, he won't believe it the second time. People, if it's God's word, that settles it. So the most important thing we have to get to is God's word. For once we got God's word, it's over with, right? That's as simple as that. Once we have God's word, that finishes it. He said to the man born blind, go wash in the pool of Siloam. You know what it says? <laughs> he went. Tremendous words. The first word Jesus said was go. The first action on the part of the believer is went. <laughs> right. He carried it out. That's the greatness of it. The greatness to all deliverance, spiritual, mental, physical, financial, and every other deliverance that God has made available in Christ Jesus is to have the word, then go. It's always agreeing. Go. Go. It's not a matter of sitting around saying, well, I'm going to think about it till tomorrow morning. I'm going to evaluate it in the light of all the other philosophical ideologies that I have thought through or the theological precepts and cons. No, go! And the man went. And it's remarkable that he went to the pool of Silo. Why didn't he go to New York? Good place. It's broke. So... When he go to Ohio, that's a good place. It's broke too. Why did he go to the pool of Siloam? Because the word of God was what? The will of God. He meant what he said and he said what he meant. Most people always argue with God's word. You know, that's what God's word says, but... Maybe it could mean so. No, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went his way, therefore, and he what? Washed. And he came what? Seeing. Boy, oh boy. That's all that's to the record. He had the word of God. He believed the word of God, acted on the word of God, came back delivered. About five or six verses of scripture, the greatest deliverance in God's word that I know. <laughs> cost no small stir because in verse 8 the neighbors get involved and you know good and well the neighbors always know more about you than you know and they're real interested in you negatively the neighbors therefore and they which before had seen him that he was blind said is not this he that sat and begged some said some of the neighbors said this is he Others said he's like him. Huh. But he said, fellas, don't you remember me? I live with you. I'm he. Stupid neighbors. <laughs> Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? Come on, man. And he answered and said, God who is called Jesus made clay. 
a man who is called what? Jesus. Made clay, anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received what? How did he get it? Took it, received it, received it. <laughs> if I gave you these glasses, in order for you to get them, you'd have to do what? Receive. That's exactly how he got his deliverance. He received it. You have to believe to get it, honey. You got to believe. To believe to receive it. Reach out and take it. Remember the woman who snuck up behind Jesus and just touched the what? Hem of his garment. Just touched the hem of his garment. She never asked to be healed. Nothing. She just touched the hem of the garment, believing that if she could just but touch, she'd be delivered. Jesus turned around and he said, who touched me? And his foolish disciples said, oh, any number of people, a whole crowd around you. Jesus said, don't kid me, I know somebody. Just touched. How did she get her deliverance? She received it. Many times I say she stole it. Didn't quite right, but she just took it. Took it. Look, if he died for all of our sicknesses and all of our seasons, you have to ask, yeah, do you have to sit here tonight and pray about it? No. What do you do to it? Take it. Lay claim to it. That's right. Well, <laughs> they said unto him, where is he? Verse 12. He said, I don't know. One would have thought he ought to kept track of him, right? Then, here's what else they did in verse 13. The neighbors brought him now to the Pharisees. Oh, that's bad. Because these are the religious leaders. The greatest cruelty I know is religion, politics. I said religion, I didn't say the truth of Christianity. Well, anyways, they brought him to the Pharisees, who aforetime was blind. Oh, no, verse 14, it was a Sabbath day. Oh, my. Was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay. Oh, no, Jesus wouldn't do a thing like that. Well, he did. My, oh, my. He opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And the man said to them, He put clay upon my eyes, I watched and see. Therefore, verse 16, said some of the Pharisees, This man is not a God. This man is not a God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Try. He's not a God because he doesn't comb his hair right. He's not a God because he wears earrings. He's not a God because he's got... What do you call those shorts on? You cut off those overhauls trips. They said of him, he's not a God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Why, if he, if he was of God, he know he couldn't do that on the Sabbath. Well, people ask yourself a question. This is a man who had been going to those religious meetings all the time, which would mean he was there on other days and the Sabbath. And if they were so interested in him, they had six other days a week. They could have helped him. Why didn't they help him on the other six? And then they had years besides that. Nobody helped him except Jesus Christ. 
And I love Jesus Christ. He was a, quite a revolutionary. I like him. He was always breaking laws. <laughs> yeah. And there were always stupid laws that were enslaving people. Like, don't you do this on the Sabbath now. Don't you do it. He did it. And boy, they got real teed off. Yeah, look what they said. <laughs> Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division, strife among them. And wherever there's confusion, there's every evil work. Verse 17. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him who that he hath opened thine eyes? And he said, He's a prophet. Wow. Oh. Boy, when he's... They, they said he's not a God because he did it on what day? The Sabbath. And when he said... When this man who was delivered said he's a prophet, their hair just stood straight on it. Verse 18, but the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the what? Now they bring the parents in. They asked them, saying, is this your son? I can just hear him say it. They said, is this your son? Is this your son? What kind of daddy and mommy are you having a silly son like that? <laughs> Who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now seeth we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes we know that. He's of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. <laughs> These words spake his parents because they loved their son. Because they feared what? Fear is the only thing that's ever cut us out, people. Fear is the only thing that's ever enslaved us, the least common denominator. And fear always enslaves. Fear always makes people less than what they really want to be. Fear always encases. Fear always puts you behind closed doors. Fear always binds you. It keeps you from being the kind of woman you really want to be, the kind of man you really want to be. Kept his parents from being the kind of parents they should have been. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. You see, for us to be put out of the synagogue doesn't mean very much today. For if they put you out of one building, there's another one across the street tickled to death to have you. But in that day, if you were thrown out, you were excommunicated, you couldn't buy any food, nobody talked to you, and it was sort of a lonesome trip. And so the parents were afraid of that. Verse 24. Then again called they the man who was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise, give God the praise for your deliverance. Give God the praise. We know that this man is a what? Even those Pharisees said he was a man. This man's a sinner. We know that. Give God the praise, brother. Give God the praise. 
Read to you in Corinthians, he's given to us the word and the ministry of what? Right. And the word talks about that God is magnified when you and I carry out the word. When we carry out the word, God gets the glory. He said, give God the glory. This man is a sinner. It was the man who delivered him. It was the man, Jesus Christ, who ministered to him. It was the man who put the clay on his eyes and gave him the word of God, which said, go wash in the pool of what? Siloam. And the man went, washed, came seeing. There are things that God does in the word. There are things man is responsible for. And he answered this religious group and said, verse 25, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, I was blind, now I see. That's right. They can talk today to us about a lot of things in religion, but we know one thing. Once upon a time, we had very little knowledge of God's Word and very little deliverance. Today, we at least have a little more knowledge of God's Word and fantastic deliverance, boy. Once we were blind, now we see. We know it. Yeah. Verse 26 is the fourth degree they gave him. They said to him again, What did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already. And you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Would you also be his disciples? <laughs> Man, that's pouring gasoline on fire. You, 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 you want to be his disciples? Let me tell you again, you want to be his disciples? They went. <laughs> then they reviled him, verse 28, and said, Thou art his disciple. We are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. But as for this fella, <laughs> we know not whence he is. And here is this non-theologian. This little old W.O.W., first year W.O.W. <laughs> Just got through the class yesterday, is at the Rock today, going W.O.W. next week. <laughs> why, the man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he what? Verse 32, since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one who was born what? Man, oh man. And they were the religious gang. They should have known the scriptures in Isaiah. Why? He says, marvelous, you fellows don't know this. What's the matter with you? If this man, verse 33, were not of God, he could what? Do nothing in the opening of the eyes of a man born blind. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sin, and dost thou teach us? We're Moses' seed. And they what? Cast him out. You know what they did with him? 
Literally, they took him by the nap of the neck of the seat of the pants, opened the door and said, get out of here, and they threw him out. I call that great love, don't you? Huh? Here's a man born blind. Born blind. Now he has 20-20 vision, sees beautifully, and somebody doesn't like how he got him. And they so loved him that they cast him out. They threw him out. Verse 35, Jesus heard they'd cast him out, and when he had found him, he found him. He found him. The man didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus went looking for what? The man. The man. Remember Revelation 3.20? The reason I remembered, I memorized it in catechism. You wouldn't know that, but I went through that stuff. Three years. Even got confirmed. Had a confirmation verse. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, sup with him, he with me. He's standing at the door knocking with Jesus who found him. Jesus who found him. The man didn't even know he was. He had said that earlier. I don't know. I don't know. But Jesus heard that these religious people had cast him out, that they had thrown him out. And Jesus went looking for him. I love that. I know what that verse means many times because I've walked that way alone and he's been the only one that's ever given a darn about me. That's right. Time and time again, in the early days of our ministry at least, I just walked and he was the only one that kept suckering in me and strengthening me. No people did. I understand this a little. Not nearly like that man understood because I wasn't blind, born blind. But I was born spiritually dead. God raised me. Boy, Jesus went looking for him. Nobody else was interested in him. His daddy and mommy said he's of age, let him do his own trip. The neighbors weren't interested. The religious people weren't. Jesus Christ was. I want to tell you something tonight. The whole world can turn against you. All of your neighbors, all of your friends, sir, Everybody else can say you're nuts. Jesus Christ is still in you, standing with you and backing you up and loving you with the love that nobody else could even get close to. When all the world forsakes you, Christ is still there, people. When the world laughs at you and ridicules you, when men take a crack at you, Christ is still there. He's there loving you, undergirding you, looking to bring you his best. Boy, they cast him out. Jesus found him. And when Jesus found him, he said, Do you believe on the Son of God? This is Jesus talking to the man who had been born blind, who was healed, and he said of himself, Jesus Christ said of himself, to that man, do you believe in the what? Son of God. He did not say to him, do you believe I'm God? He said, do you believe I'm the son of what? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? He didn't even know that, and yet he'd been healed, right? 
Healing is one of the greatest drawing cards, if that's a good terminology. I don't want to be misunderstood. I just want to teach the word as accurately as I know it. It's one of the great drawing cards in God's word where men and women are brought to the Lord Jesus Christ because they're delivered before they even get saved. God heals them physically through Jesus Christ, through your ministry, before they're born again. Here was a man who didn't know who Jesus Christ was. He didn't know he was the Son of God. When Jesus found him, he said, talk to him about the Son, and he said, well, who is he, Lord, that I might, what? Believe on him. And Jesus said, I am thou both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I what? Believe. Lord, I believe. I believe. And he worshipped him, the Son of God. Worshipped him means to give reverence, respect, awe to him because it had been Jesus Christ who had put clay on his eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went, he washed, and he came seeing Boy, what a fantastic record. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. There isn't a, hardly a person in this great tent tonight who has not had more of the Word of God shared with you than this man had. Very little word shared with him. And yet he was capable of saying, Lord, I want. Lord, I believe. And what he believed was that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And because he is the Son of God, he could declare God to him. That's what Jesus said. If you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. You've seen the Father. God is spirit. The only way you'll ever know God is to know his wonderful Son, Jesus Christ. And the only way you know anything about God's wonderful Son, basically, is because of the greatness of His Word that's among us. The Word makes known the Son. The Son makes known the Father God. That's why this man said, Lord, I believe. I'm believing, along with all of you, that this week will be a week where we just sort of push the world aside and forget it and move into the greatness of God's Word here at the Rock of Ages so that our hearts are... Sorry. So that our hearts are so knit together with the love of God and His Word that every person here will be completely delivered before we go home Sunday night. Boy, that's my heart's cry. And he said, Lord, I want believe. All things are possible to him that what? Believe it. Lord, I believe. All things are possible to him that believeth. Lord, I believe. Well, what do we believe tonight? 
We believe the same thing that that man believed who was born blind. We believe in Jesus Christ as God's only begotten Son, right? We believe that he came to take men's sins and the consequences of sin. We believe that he came that we might have the righteousness of God in him. We believe that he's given to us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. We are right on the beam, people, with what the word says about God and his wonderful son. And I believe our God is here this week to meet the needs of our people according to his word and therefore, I'd like for all of us, including myself, to just get to that place where within the innermost part of my soul, I can really say, Lord, I believe. Amen. Amen.